God's heart is always going to be for people. And if your dreams are only about one person yourself, then I would argue maybe it's not a God dream. Maybe it's a you dream. That's going to say Because if you're, if you're, yeah, I'm sorry if I offended or broke up your theology, (laughs) but it needed to happen. Uh, Because if your dream is like, I'm going to be a Hollywood star and I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm going to be in all the movies I want to be and in all the rooms of the famous people that I want to be in. And you never, ever one time said, because it's going to impact other people, because I'm going to share the the gospel throughout Hollywood, because I'm going to break down the darkness inside the entertainment industry, because I'm going to break down the the stigmas and the stereotypes, and I'm going to infiltrate um, something that hell has his grasp on. If you never once said that, then your dream is, is backwards, and your dream isn't coming from a place that God's placed it in your heart, but it's coming from a place that a selfish desire that you have. A dream can be anything, whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually. Every week, the Dream Check podcast brings you tips, tricks, and real life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. What's up, friends, and welcome back for another episode on the Dream Check Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Evenoff. I'm so pumped today. We have another man of faith on the show. His name is Caden Fabrizio. He's a believer, he's a speaker, and he is just one after the kingdom of God. Today, we're going to talk about how to be a spirit-filled, powerful believer in a world where it's not trendy. We also talk about the importance of good friendships, and Caden also shares uh, what he's looking for as a man of God and a woman of God and a future wife. And we talk about so many other amazing topics. Let's welcome Caden to the show. All right, Caden, welcome to the show. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for having much. me on. Yes, of course. We have had some technical difficulties, but we are here and we're telling the devil not today. I mean, I think that's how you know today's about to be special. That's it really is. I'm the weirdo that gets excited. You know. I get excited when you when you face a little bit of like pushback. Yeah, when you start to do something. I'm like, all right, we're about to do something crazy then, because the enemy doesn't like it. And uh, I know that God's here, and and we're gonna have a cool conversation today. So thanks for having me. I love that. Well, I'm honored to have you, and just excited to have another male on the podcast. I've interviewed one other dude, and. I feel like it's just so nice sometimes to get like a male's perspective on everything that we're always talking about. So before we dive in, I talked about you a little bit in the intro, but share a little bit about who you are, how you got to LA, a little bit about your story. Yeah, I'm a uh, faith-based content creator. You can use the word influencer, but I hate it, so don't. (laughs) Um, I'm a writer, a speaker, preacher, and I'm currently... I'm writing a group of devotionals and I'm working on getting published out here pretty soon. So I'm excited Let's about go. that. I'm born and raised an hour east of LA. I tell everyone LA, but it's actually a town called Rancho Cucamonga. Yes, it exists. Yes, it's real. A over there. Yeah. I'm sure you shot something here that wasn't <laughs> sexy because there's nothing sexy in Rancho. But I I, I've it. been born and raised here. My family's here. And so I'll be here for as long as, as God has me here. I'm just grateful to be in California and and around a bunch of people that I love and in a really great state. So 
yeah, that's a little bit about me. Nothing too crazy, nothing too special, but um, I just... No, that's special. It's not often you meet people from California. Typically, yeah. everyone has a transplant, so I feel like we have a lot to learn from you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know how to survive. I'm not yeah, surprised by the gas prices ever. <laughs> They're going to be high. Uh, $6 is a little high, though, to be honest. I'm, a, I'm little a little surprised much, about you this know? One. Yeah, it's, it's a little, a little tough. much. A little tough, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great place to be, and I just really feel like... And I know you had Riley on the show last week and she's a really mm-hmm. good friend of mine and I know she feels this way too. And we were at lunch the other day actually and she was like, you know, I just feel like California needs people like us. And mm-hmm. um, I feel grateful to be, at least for now, somebody that can shine shine his light in, in California and, mm-hmm. and believe for what God's doing here. So, I love it. I'm so happy you're on, on the show. Can't wait to hear everything we're going to talk about today. Yeah, thanks. I feel honored to be one of two dudes. Yes. Yeah. I honestly like, well, I'm married. And so like, I don't have a lot of like guy friends, obviously, but also it's like within, you know, I was talking to Riley and I just, I know everyone she surrounds herself with is quality. And, you know, I've just been seeing you pop up, you know, on a couple of people's stories that I follow. And I'm like, if these people are hanging out with this guy, he must be good quality. And so I'd love to have him on the show. I'm, I'm blessed by the relationships really that God's been placing in my life. Riley to be one of them. And, uh, I can honestly say they make me better and, and, uh, I hope I do the same for them too. So I'm sure you do. Well, we're going to dive into, into community in a little bit, but yeah, for sure. I want to ask you the first question I ask everyone, which is what is a dream that you have now in this moment can be anything. First of all, I think that I have a lot of dreams, but I, I'm really big on God places dreams in your heart and they're not for everyone to know. Um, because I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes when you tell a dream, if it gets in the wrong hands, it can become a stronghold that Satan uses to attack you so, and make you doubt those dreams. So I will tell you one that I can tell. And a big dream of mine is, like I said, I've been writing these devotionals. Uh, they're not your mama's devos. They're for um, our generation, younger generations to learn and allow Holy Spirit to be their teacher. And uh, I'm excited to get those launched and published and released to the world so that some people can learn um, not just how to go to church and not just how to um, do their little morning Devo, but how to actually have a relationship and an intimacy with Holy Spirit and um, and know Jesus deeply. And so I'm excited about those. It's a dream of mine is just to be able to reach people with Devos that look cool and that people love and they, they love a lot I love them, that so. so much. Is it called Not Your Mama's Devos? No, it's not. Is that the I, name uh, of it? <laughs> no, that would actually be a fan. It's a, it's a good, I said that. so dope. Yeah, it would be dope. Maybe I should change the name. No, they're just going to be titled the themes of each Devo, 30 Day Devos. And uh, they're going to be published it. by me, Caden. So, yeah. I love it. I love that your dream is for other people. Dreams can be selfish, you know, but not always in a bad way. But I feel yeah. like the best dreams are the ones that serve others. Um, and that's where you'll see the most reward as well. I totally agree. I feel like the other day I was, I was praying and uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me like, if I answered all the stuff that you were praying for, would it, would it change your life or would it change mm. other people's lives? And, uh, it kind of stopped me in my tracks and I'm like, you know, what? I think a lot of times God gives us dreams and places desires in our hearts and his desire is always going to be for people. And I think if your dreams aren't lining up in a way that, yeah, they're going to benefit you and they're going to make you feel like you're fulfilled and it's going to align mm-hmm. your purpose. But I think if they're not ministering, helping, or encouraging other people, I think we're really missing a big portion of our, our God desires and our God dreams. And I love what you said, that not every dream God gives us, we're supposed to share with people. There is a quote I love, and it, it, I 
think it goes, only you can see what God sees when he opens your eyes to something. And so sometimes sharing that with other people, they can't see what you're seeing because God didn't give them that vision. And so they're not going to be able to look at it from the perspective of God. Absolutely. And so I love that because sometimes we have to be careful and discerning with who we're sharing our dreams with. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. And I know we're going to talk about you said community later, but um, it is important that you have that circle that you can trust and then you, that you are able to discern like, hey, not everyone needs to know some of this stuff because mm-hmm. some people are going to laugh me out of the room. And I know it's a desire. I know that the dream in my heart is not even on me, but God's going to carry me into that dream. But I know if I tell the wrong people, I'll probably get attacked and I know mm-hmm. the enemy will use it and they'll say some stuff. And yeah, you just got to be careful who you let speak into your life and your dreams because I, I really believe dreams they're priceless. I think they're one of the mm-hmm. most valuable things that God gives us. You know, he's a good father who gives good gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those gifts is dreams, really. And what I love about the dreams is he gives us ways to achieve them. And one of the ways that you protect that is not by telling everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can just dive into community. Like how important is good community and friendships when you're walking with God? Man, I would say it's, I would say it's everything, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think like this year for my life, The last 10 months of my life, God has been teaching me the value and importance of friendship. And first he taught me friendship through him. You know, Jesus is not just our savior and our Lord, but he's our friend. And the Bible says he's, he's our friend. And what that meant to me when I had that revelation, he started teaching me that was that he cares deeply about everything that I walk through, everything that I go Mm -hmm. through, my dreams, my desires. He wants to laugh with me. He wants to cry with me. He wants to walk with me. He wants to talk with me. He wants to challenge me. He wants to make me better. And he wants Mm -hmm. to go with me everywhere. And that's what a good friend does. And I feel like he first taught me that. And then he started to implement some amazing people in my life. Not that I didn't already have amazing friends and stuff, but he really Mm -hmm. started to implement and show me um, through other people, those types of relationships and the importance of friendship. And I know now some of the things I'm doing and the doors God's opening and the, the dreams he's placed in my heart and the opportunities, a lot of them are going to be upheld and encouraged and inspired by the people I have in my life. And like I said, you, you need those people that you can say, Hey, God told me this and they go, mm-hmm. they go, okay, how do we get behind it? Not, mm-hmm. <laughs> no way, but they yeah. go, God told you that. Okay, great. Cause I'm going to pray mm-hmm. for it. And they're the friends that go, actually, I have a word for you. Actually, I had a prophetic mm-hmm. dream about that. Actually, I, so those are the friends that you need in your circle mm-hmm. because everybody has a call and it's, it's powerful and it's unique and it's special and it's needed in this world. But I believe everybody also needs a circle that's going to mm-hmm. help cultivate that call. And um, those people that you have in your life, are, they're everything, really. Especially as you walk into a relationship romantically, there's mm-hmm. nothing worse than being in a romantic relationship and being lonely. Yeah. And uh, once you have those good friends in your life that you can walk through, even in your marriage, even in your relationship, mm-hmm. it just gives you support for so much of your life. Yeah, and I think that God brings different people in your life in different seasons. For sure. Um, even me personally, like as I transitioned into, you know, having a relationship with God, I, I was raised Catholic, so I didn't really have a relationship with God until I got saved when I was 27. And I'm 31, so like not that long ago. Yeah. And the transition from the people I was hanging out with before to the people I'm with now, um, that was such a painful season for me, kind of realizing like, wait, I love this person. I've known them for a long time, but they're no longer good for my walk and like yeah. where I'm going. Yeah. What would you say to like encourage someone who maybe is going through like a loss of friendship um, that they know isn't aligned with kind of where they're going or where God's taking them? 
Yeah, I would say um, someone actually DM'd me this the other day, and they're like, "Hey, um, I'm basically walking through the exact same you, the exact same thing you just said. I know these friends aren't great for what I'm trying to do and what God's calling me towards. Um, should I cut them off?" Mm-hmm. And I think there are relationships. Before I say what I'm about to say, I think there are relationships that are toxic and unhealthy that mm-hmm. it's okay to cut off. And I think someone listening to this needs permission to know, like, you can walk away from that bad, toxic relationship, whether romantic or friendship. You can cut that person off, and that's not unbiblical. That's not like you're not being a bad Christian. On the other hand of that, I would say that there is a discernment that is necessary and needed, and you can walk through and and get through prayer and saying, okay, who is my inner circle, who is my outer circle, and who is my Mm -hmm. arm's distance circle? And I know that there, for me, there is a group of 10, maybe 12 people in my inner circle that I'm going to trust with everything. Then there's my, my outer circle where it's good friends, quality people, but maybe I don't trust them with everything. Maybe they're not at the spiritual maturity level that I am, or I need them to be mm-hmm. for them to carry my dreams or for them to speak into my life or for them to pray over me. And then there's that arm's distance circle where you know like, okay, I absolutely love this person. I know that um, at one point, at one season in my life, this person was, was pivotal for me. But then you, you walk into a new season and you realize maybe this person, I just need to love them at arm's distance. Mm-hmm. Meaning maybe this person just needs to have a little distance for me. They don't maybe need to speak into my life. I don't need to go to the club with them. Mm-hmm. I, don't need to, I don't need to go out and get trashed on 4th of July with them anymore. You know, I mm-hmm. can keep them arm distance and I can still send them a text. Hey, I love you. I hope things are going well for you. Um, mm-hmm. But you purposely kind of distance yourself from those people. And then those people almost become a mission field for you. Okay, how can I love this person and lead them to Christ? Because I would like them to be part of my outer circle or, mm-hmm. or be a friend of mine or be someone that, that comes to the Lord. But maybe that's part of that transition in, in friendship. So, I remember being a new believer and like you're so susceptible to falling back when you're around, I think, the wrong crowd, when you're in a phase of like transitioning into who God wants you to be. Yeah. And just for me personally, I remember within the first couple of months of me deciding like, hey, I'm going to walk in purity. Like, I'm going to try this out. Like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like God's asking me to do it. And I went to Miami for work and long story short, I was around the wrong crowd, encouraging poor behavior, behavior that I'd gone through doing my whole life. And that was the last time I ever slipped in in my purity walk. And I do feel like God allowed me to experience that, to have conviction over something that I never experienced like a negative feeling towards before. Yeah. But I do think, and I, I've said this before on the podcast, like I never blame those people for my actions. Obviously those are my actions, but I do think if I was surrounded by the right people who knew where I was going and where I wanted to go, they wouldn't have encouraged those actions. Absolutely. And, and so I do think, especially if you're a new believer listening to this, who you surround yourself with matters. It's huge. Like it is so huge for your journey. And yeah, good community, good friendships. And as a believer is just, you can't function without them, without it. Absolutely. I feel like it's, it's a lot like this. Like, you know, God says it in John that we're, we're children of light, which means we have a light to shine in the darkness. Mm -hmm. But the thing about light is that when it does walk into a room, it does illuminate the room. And so if you walk into a room with, as one light bulb, you're going to illuminate the room. But if you walked into a dark room with 10 light bulbs, the, the 
light that shines is going to be so much greater and so much brighter and it's going to have it's going to really shine and push out the darkness and so that's what i always feel like with community like you need those people yeah you have light and you shine your light and you walk into places and that are dark and you shine your own light but when you have those people behind you and with you that are also shining your light it makes it so much easier because everything gets brighter and that's oh, what that's, that's so what good. community and relationship is is knowing that like I have my own light to carry and I get mm-hmm. the opportunity to shine it on these people that I walk with and then we all get to shine it onto other people and showing people Jesus's love manifesting through your friendship is beautiful really That's so good and there's uh, I don't know if it's a quote but just like an analogy I've heard it's like when you go into a bedroom you don't put a lamp under the bed like you put it mm. on the nightstand you yeah know? so we're yeah. not supposed to hide our light we're supposed to shine it for everyone around us for Absolutely. everyone in the room yeah and i just think that's such a cool picture yeah the bible says we're a city on a hill and a city is mm. full of people it's oh, not like so we're good. a city on a hill because we're one we're a city on yes. a hill because a city is full of millions and and thousands and billions of people and dreams and desires all shining the light of Jesus and that's who we are and that's what you can have when you when you intentionally reach into community and find your people so good so I want to talk on the topic of how being a believer isn't really trendy which is kind of tying into what we've already been talking about but when I had originally asked you um, you know what you're passionate about and what topics like fire you up you had said you know just how to be a spirit-filled powerful believer in a world or a society where it's not popular or trendy yeah Um, can you dive into that yeah I mean I just think this generation this world this social media inspired um (laughs) metaverse now that facebook's doing that like is so intrigued and set up on trying to fit in trying to look a certain way trying to carry an image everybody now has a brand and everyone now cares so much about the way they look the way they dress the way they talk i mean if you look at middle schoolers now they look like they're high schoolers they talk like they're high schoolers they they think they're high schoolers they wear clothes that a sixth grader shouldn't be wearing they engage in and talk in ways that sixth graders shouldn't even know about because what has happened is the trend and a trend is just a popular voice the trend says okay well skinny jeans are out and baggy jeans are in and the trend says, uh, if you don't have a K behind your followers, you're, you're, you're not succeeding in life. Um, and those are all the things the trend says. But then the trend also says that um, you need to have a lot of money and you need to have followers and you need to do this and you need to do that. But the thing about Jesus is that he is contrary to all of that. And even when you see him walk throughout the New Testament in um, the Bible times, you see him walk and be contrary to the Pharisees' beliefs, to the Greeks' beliefs, and to the Jews' beliefs. And he wasn't driven or determined by the popular voice. He was uh, identified by the voice of God. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I always say is, if you fear man, you're gonna be controlled by what they think of you. But if you fear God, you'll be liberated by what he thinks of you. Because what he thinks of you is always gonna be the foundation of being a believer and knowing that. I know the world says I can never do this. I know the world says I'm not popular enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough money. I don't drive a G-Wagon. I don't, that's what the world says. But God says, I don't care about any of that stuff. I care that you are righteous, you're beloved, you are created perfectly, wonderfully, that you're created on purpose, for purpose, that you are special to me, that there's no one else on the planet like you. That's what Jesus says. And so for me, being a 
believer that lives beyond the trend and living separate is one that doesn't look at the voice of the world, which is the trend, but looks at the voice of Jesus and says, okay, God, how do I follow you? Not my will, but your will. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it doesn't look cool, even when it's not sexy, even when it's not trendy, God, how do I carry what you are calling me to do? And I really feel like that is by being a spirit filled believer. And I, I love that term like spirit filled believer because I feel like everybody's a spirit filled believer and Mm -hmm. we can talk about this more like later, but I feel like being a spirit filled believer is not like getting a new feeling of the Holy spirit, but it's having an awareness of Holy spirit already inside of you. I think that's so powerful and you're right. Like a lot of people and I'm even guilty of it sometimes if I'm not careful, like looking to social media to validate or, or that's where I get my confirmation of, of a dream I have, or that's where I'm, it can go both ways. Like it can be super positive. It can also be really dark and it can be really sad. Like I was at the mall yesterday and I, this, she had to have been nine years old. This girl walked by and she was talking to her friend and she said, Oh my gosh, like you have to try this new hydrating serum. I just got for my skincare. It's amazing. And I was like, you're nine. Yeah. Like, and, and to me, that was like, she's on social media. She's following all these, like, you know, yeah. these beauty influencers and nine years old. Like, I just think, yeah. oh my gosh, that's so, she's already seeking, you know, probably validation from social media yeah. and, um, the image of beauty and standards and all that from social media. And it can mm. be so sad. Um, and that's why I do think it's so important as spirit filled believers to, to use our social media, to share our light and to share God's good news. And what would you say to someone who has the desire to know God, but is kind of afraid of taking that plunge? And this was even in my experience, like the first time I ever shared about God on social media, I was so uncomfortable because yeah. no one from my past knows that part of me. So it kind of felt like imposter syndrome, like Mm. this is not who I used to be. And so people from my past would be like, she's fake. She's lying. That's not who she is. Yeah. And that was like something I was always wrestling with. And now I just am so confidently sharing my faith because it's, I want to share the good news and it's such a big part yeah. of who I am. But in the early stages of my walk, I was always so uncomfortable with it because it goes against everything society tells us. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how you said you felt like you had the imposter syndrome because I really feel mm-hmm. like that that's a lie from the enemy. Um, because the reality is, is that as believers, we were actually born and created to be born again believers. Mm -hmm. So you're actually an imposter when you're living in sin. And I think Mm -hmm. someone needs to hear today, like you, maybe you walked through something, maybe you were a sinner, maybe you were this and that and that in your past. But the moment you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says that you become a saint righteous in his sight. And that was who you were created to be. That is who Jesus has always seen you to be. He has just waited for you to come to meet him. And so when you go to share on social media and you think, man, I'm nervous. Is this even who I am? Or my friends can be like, dude, this dude was smoking pot with us a week ago. What is he talking about? <laughs> like, but what you need to know is you are not your past. You are not sin. You are none of that. You are a saint. You are beloved. You have a purpose and you were made to fulfill the great commission and tell people about Jesus. That's who you are. That's in your core. Every single person is that person. And so I, what I would tell you is, first of all, say, you know, Satan back up. I'm not going to be my past. I will never be my past. I will not look to the past. I will look to the future. I will never say I I, I am who I was, but I'm going to say I am who I was created to be. And that's a child of God, a child of light and, and someone who honestly hell is afraid of. Mm -hmm. So I think I would encourage someone, you know, as you step more into 
understanding what it means to be a believer, what it means to walk in a relationship with Jesus, I would say before you ever go to share on social media, before you ever go to tell someone about Jesus, let Jesus tell you about you. Mm. Let Jesus teach That's you so who good. you are before mm. you teach someone else who he is. Because you need to know who you are and the way you know who you are is by knowing who he is. Mm. And he'll tell you who you are because as soon as you become us a, a, a new believer, it, the Bible says that the spirit says in Galatians 5, Holy Spirit begins to produce the fruits of the spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And he begins to, that becomes the fruit of your life. So I would say spend more time in the word, become more confident in who God has created you to be, understand who he is. And then the moment you go to share about Jesus on social media, on whatever platform to someone at Thanksgiving, to your family member, to your friend who offered, if you want this to smoke this or drink this or do whatever you can confidently say, no, I know who I am. Mm -hmm. And then let me tell you who you are because you don't know who you are either. And who you, by telling them who you are, you tell them who Jesus is. Oh, I feel like you need to drop the mic. (laughs) Can I just throw this? (laughs) That was so, so good. And so powerful. What you talked a lot about just like having the confidence, what would you say to someone or what are some practical tools you can give someone to become more confident in their walk or more spirit filled, something they could practice daily? Obviously reading the Bible is going to be one, but is there anything else that you would recommend? Yeah. I mean, I would say for me, I, I understand the language of spirit filled, like to become more spirit filled, but I would just encourage people here, like you are already spirit filled. And the moment you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to dwell and live inside of you. And he wants to manifest through you, your gifts and your calling and the love of Jesus. And so the way you become more spiritual is by becoming more aware of the spirit in you. And the way you become more aware of the spirit in you is by becoming more aware of his presence. And the only way you can become more aware of something is by um, being closer to something and being next to something more often. I mean, you start to become Um, more aware of the things that you surround yourself with. So you become, when you hang out with a person, you get to know them more and more and more and more and more by the time you spend with them. And I would say that's the same with the Holy Spirit. It's all about spending time in the presence of God, in the, the secret place, in your quiet time. And the more that you are able by yourself to identify and spend time in the presence of God is the more that you, when you're outside of that and you're in, you're in Hobby Lobby or you're at Target or you're, you're walking through the Grove in LA, you can experience the presence of God and know his direction because you know the presence of God. Why? Because you spent time in it, because you love it, because you are aware of it, because you know what it's like. And you know, it's not just a feeling, but it's actually a presence. You know, it's actually a, a direction. You know, it's actually a, um, a power in you. I think the more you become aware of the presence of God in your life and the more you be aware of like, yo, the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of Jesus lives inside of me. And the Bible says I am in him and he is in me. We became one. And then God sees us no longer as ourselves, but as the righteousness of his son, Christ Jesus. You can basically walk around saying, yo, I have the mind of Christ. I have the spirit of Jesus inside of me. I have God confidence because God literally lives inside of me. Nothing mm-hmm. can stop me today. Not a, There's nothing in hell that's going to get in my way. There's nobody that can piss me off. There's nobody that's going to ruin my day because Jesus lives inside of me. He has a call on my life. There's something I have an assignment today to love somebody and I'm going to walk through this target and I'm not going to let the the slow cart or the cutting me off or whatever get Mm -hmm. in front of me and get in my head. But I'm going to say, no, I'm confident in not who I am, but who God is 
in me. Mm. And that will change your life when you realize I don't need to be confident in me. I need to be confident in God in me. And it reminded me of something I love to tell people. It's like, have a crush on Jesus. And I compare it to like, wow. when you have a a crush on a girl or someone has a crush on a boy, it's like you spend all your time getting to know them. You talk to them yeah. all the time. And then you become enamored with this person. And then you start to tell everyone about them. It's like, oh my gosh, I met this guy. He's so awesome. He's so cute. He does this. He's so sweet. Kind of treat your relationship with Jesus like that. That's so, good. I always say like, have a crush on Jesus because the more you get to know him, the more you'll love him and understand him and want to tell other people about him. And then just like the more spirit filled you get. And just that always helped me in, in my early stages of my walk because it's relatable. You know, you can think of it as just a relationship. Think of your friends. The more time you spend with your friends, the more you get to know them. Yeah. And if you don't spend time with them, then how can you expect to have a strong relationship? So it's the same thing totally. with God. Like you have to spend time with him to get to know him and to have that strong relationship and to really understand him and his love for you. Yeah, I think it's so good. Okay, so I was going through your Instagram, kind of, you know, studying your captions and, and what you, you're talking about because I, I just love to do that whenever I have guests on. And you talked on the topic of are you prepared for what you're praying for? And oh, I thought that on. was so powerful. You said, you know, what do you do in, in encouraging someone in the time between the prayer and the promise. Like, mm. what does that space look like? Wow. Did I say that? That's good. You did. I was That's like, really good. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> hey, I preach sometimes. I don't even know. Yeah, you uh, do. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, that was something that that day um, I was praying big prayers and I'm a fan of big prayers. And I think if you're not praying big prayers, you need to start because God's giving you dreams and the Bible says that he wants to take those dreams and make them better than you ever dreamed, mm -hmm. exceed them. And um, what takes that is prayer and faith and believing for those things. And one day I was praying for crazy dumb stuff, like crazy stuff. And uh, God said to me, uh, yeah, that stuff's going to happen, but are you prepared for when it does? Mm -hmm. And that was one of those moments you sit in prayer and you like get, you like hit the brakes and you're like, <laughs> wow. First of all, can I just say this? Stop being afraid of your dreams. First of all, can I say that? Like, if God's placed it in your heart, you can do it. Okay. I just need to say that. Um, yes. And amen to that. I think that when you're um, praying for your dreams, a lot of the time you're focused um, on the dream and you're focused on getting to this spot. You're focused on this thing happening. You're focused on um, getting to the, the end or, or the, um, the goal. And um, I realized on that, that day when God said, are you prepared for what you're praying for? that I never want to get to that dream and fumble the ball. Mm. Like I never want to, I never want to see the fruition of what uh, I've been praying for, see the fruit of my faith and not be prepared because all I did was focus on the, the promise and I never sat down and prepared. And I think what, ta what that symbolizes and what's so important about that is that you take every single day and every single moment and you take every step of the ladder and every step that you have to take, you take it and you steward it. And you know that every single moment is special and every single moment is important. And even as you sit in your room with nothing happening in your life while you're working a job you hate and you're not making the money you wish you did, you would know, God, I am going to be, I'm going to be faithful. I am going to steward this. I know that there's something for me to learn here. I know that there's a lesson that you're teaching me. I know that there's something that's going to carry me into my future. And I think what's, what's so important is between the prayer and between the promise, there's always preparation. 
And inside the preparation, there's always time spent with Jesus. There's always time to learn. There's always time to grow. And there's time to figure out what your gifts are and who you are. And in that time, I think it's the most powerful, the most important. I would even argue it's, it is the promise mm. when you start to actually understand who you are in Christ so that he can open those doors and you can be ready for what you're stepping into. It's like David as a shepherd boy fighting the, the lion and fighting the bear. But what I love about that is in between the lion and the bear, there was David sitting on a rock watching sheep. Mm. And I don't think we talk about that enough. Like, oh yeah, God gave me the bear because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight Goliath. But really, God also gave you the sheep to steward, mm-hmm. to watch, Ugh. to learn from, That's to take care of. And I think that when we look past that, we start to say, okay, when I stewarded and I carried and I watched, I also heard from God. But when I fought the bear, I had to use my own strength and my own hands and my own power. So where is actually the most important place to be? And I would argue it's the place where you're stewarding and you're caring and you're letting God move things forward and you're preparing by living in the spirit and by letting his doors open, by not having to open any doors, but just walking through the ones that do open. And I think that's really the in-between season that we like to talk about, the waiting season, but I believe is never a wasted season. That's literally so good. And my pastor touched on that on Sunday. And he said, the big time is where you're at. Not Come on, Chad. Going. Come on. Yeah, good. let's go, yeah. Chad. The big time is right now. It's where God yeah. has you right now. Are you stewarding where he has you? Are you faithful? Are you grateful? Are you preparing, like you just said, for the promise? Or are you yeah. so focused on getting what you're asking for that you're completely blinded to the person he has right in front of you, in front of you that you're supposed to minister to and pastor to? And um, another pastor, um, Mike Todd, out of Transformation Church, always says, you may hate the job you're at, And if you're so busy trying to get out of it, you're going to miss exactly why God has you there. So if you are in a job you hate, there's something there for you. There's something, and usually it's not for you. Usually you're there for someone else. And so I just love that whole, the preparation is almost more important than the promise because there's something in in that time that you're supposed to learn or you're supposed to give. And I just think that's so awesome. And I would argue the thing that you're supposed to learn is that Jesus is the promise. He is the Mm, everything. Dang. That'll preach. And you understand that God is everything, then you don't need everything to fulfill you because you already have it. It's him. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the purpose of our lives to know him. So what would you say to someone who is maybe losing hope or losing faith in um, a prayer? Maybe they've been in a long waiting season and they just feel like a either God doesn't hear them or B they're just don't feel like God cares. Yeah. Um, I would ask what you're doing is the biggest thing that I would ask. Um, How are you waiting? How are you praying? And what is God teaching you? Because if you can't tell me those three things, then there's a reason you're still in the waiting season. How are you waiting? What are you praying? And what is God teaching you? And if you can answer all those three things, then I would say you are preparing for the next season of your life, the next phase for the dream, for whatever you're going for. And I would encourage you that potentially maybe you need to spend more time in the presence of God hearing from him. And if you're saying, well, I don't hear, I don't hear him. I just sit there and I talk to him and he never talks back to me. I would encourage you, maybe he really likes spending time with you. Hmm. And maybe what he's trying to teach you is how to spend time with him. 
And I've walked through seasons of my life where God has been absolutely silent, like so silent, like I'm Mm. on my knees yelling at this guy and he's not saying (laughs) anything back to me and he is silent. But then I I learned through those seasons, like just because he's silent doesn't mean he's not there. Mm. And some of the best friends are the ones that you can talk to and they don't say a thing back. And you know that you can sit there and talk and empty your heart and, and pray over your desires and be frustrated and ask for things and learn how to talk to him and and give him things that feel embarrassing to him to talk about, to feel embarrassing to talk about things that, that, um, lock you up, things that make you nervous, things you're struggling with that you've never wanted to give to him. And I think you, you get in that presence of God and you say, all right, I'm just going to talk. And I'm going to learn how to sit in the presence of you and I'm going to learn how to wait on you and I'm going to figure out how to answer those questions. Um, What am I praying? What is God speaking to me? And uh, what does he want to teach me in this season? Because I really really want to combat the idea, and I think it's like a Western Christianity idea that we've created, that um, we have to be like moving forward in our like professional lives moving forward in like our personal and social lives in order for us to be successful and, or, or in us, in order for us to see the successes of God in our life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lie, like completely. Cause I think you sitting in the presence of God is, and meeting him and hearing from him is always going to be more important than you getting a promotion at work. But we have flipped it and we've been like, well, God must be silent. Cause he's not hearing that. I need that $40,000 raise. But God's like, what's really I'm trying to teach you is that the priority is is me. The raise is just the cherry on top. I also think sometimes God is silent because he's already given us the answer. It just so wasn't good. what we wanted to hear. Yeah, it's good. And, I, and I, I've been there before where I'm like, wait, God, I've been praying this prayer for like eight months. And I just feel like you're not you're not hearing me. Yeah. And God, you know, later on when I finally figured out he was speaking to me the whole time, I just was waiting for a different answer. Yeah. Um, I guess this this question was not prepared, but how how do you tell if it's God or not God? Yeah, I think it's I think God's made it really easy for us um, mm-hmm. because in Galatians, it breaks down the fruit of the spirit and it breaks down the fruit of the flesh. And um, I think God has made it really easy for us to understand if he's talking to you or if you're talking to you or if the enemy's talking to you. And when God's talking to you, you're going to see the fruits of the spirit. You're going to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. There's a couple more, but I'll probably mess them up. Um, And if the enemy's talking to you, you're going to see fruits of the flesh. You're going to see selfishness. You're going to see anger. You're going to see lust. You're going to see. And I think when you have God speaking to you, you see powerful fruit. You see that it matches scripture and you see that it's not just all about you. Because I, I think when God is speaking to you, like we said, first thing we said is like when God's speaking to you, God's heart is always going to be for people. And if okay. your dreams are only about one person, yourself, then I would argue maybe it's not a God dream. Maybe Ooh. it's a you dream. That's going to because if you're people. if you're yeah, I'm sorry if I offended or broke up your <laughs> theology, but it needed to happen. Uh, because if your dream is like I'm going to be a Hollywood star. And I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm going to be in all the movies I want to be and in all the rooms of the famous people that I want to be in. And you never, ever one time said, because it's going to impact other people, because I'm going to share the, the gospel throughout Hollywood, because I'm going to break down the darkness inside the entertainment industry, because I'm going to break down the, the stigmas and the stereotypes and I'm going to infiltrate um, something that hell has his grasp on. 
Mm-hmm. If you never once said that, then your dream is is backwards and your dream isn't coming from a place that God's placed it in your heart, but it's coming from a place that a selfish desire that you have. So I actually had a friend who he was a celebrity driver. He drove around high profile celebrities and he really, really disliked it, wasn't paid enough and got to the point where, you know, I said, why don't you just apply for new jobs if you hate it so much? And he was like, I hate it, but I truly feel called here. I'm getting to have conversations Mm. about God with people who would never otherwise hear about his good news. That's like, think of a job you're at. If you hate a job, like think of opportunities like that in your place of work. So, okay. Another controversial topic of singleness and dating. Oh, hey, what up? Let's go. So let's get in there. I have primarily only talked to women about this topic um, and and what they're looking for in a godly man. And, you know, what I hear constantly is, oh, there's there's no good guys, like even Mm. in the church, like there's no good guys. Like, and so I'm just so curious from a man, a God fearing man, man of faith, like, what are you looking for? in a God-fearing woman? Like what characteristics are you looking for? And he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Yeah. Um, I, and I'll just say this real quick, because I do think there's a pandemic of women who think that the men are the issue when really they're not spending time with God. And so there are a lot of things that you should work on before you go and ask God for this perfect holy man. <laughs> I'm and so I'm, glad you said was, that. This was me. Is, four years ago. So I'm, I, I'm saying this from experience. I'm not calling people out. Let's go. I'm so glad you said that because now I don't have to. So thank you. Because yeah. I was going to say it and I was going to find a really um, nice way to dance around it and say it without <laughs> getting offending a bunch of amazing women that listen to this podcast. Um, I would say, number one, you catch what you fish for and look at that what you look at your bait. I grew up fishing and every fish requires a different bait. And what I think is the bait is your life and the bait is the fruit of your life. And I would say before looking at there's no good guys left in the world. Um, you're looking at one. Uh, I would say that you need to be aware of what your bait is. What are you doing? What are you portraying? Who are you? What are the fruits of your life? What are your desires? What do you actually care about? Um, those things are all going to identify and they're all going to play into how you choose a partner and how that partner, you view that partner. It's all going to, it's all going to leak into your perspective on that person and on dating. I would say, um, for so many people, I think the, the first reaction is to always think like, you know, nobody is good enough or, um, nobody is holy enough or no one's walking in the same way that I'm walking just because that's what you've seen potentially. Mm-hmm. And I would like to stretch your perspective a little bit and say that the world is a lot bigger than just your own perspective and what you see. And there's a lot of people out there spending a lot of time with God that you may never even know. And so for for women, I think I, what a godly man is looking for is as cheesy as it sounds is a Proverbs 31 woman. And that is what I look for. It's what I pray for over my future wife every single day. And I think it's it's really important that as a woman, you look at Proverbs 31 and you say, okay, what is the, the I guess, the ideal Christian woman to look like? Mm. And um, what it talks about in, in Proverbs 31, it talks about um, honor. It talks about um, she speaks with, with wisdom and kindness. 
um, she loves, she's nurturing. Um, it talks about how she's always spinning fibers in her hands. Um, she's always creating, she's always nurturing, she's always building, she's always. And so for me, some of the things that I'm looking for in a wife is I always say this, I'm looking for someone that loves big. And I think you can always tell who people spend their time around by the way they treat other people. And if you're spending your time with Jesus, it's going to show up in how you treat other people. Because mm-hmm. you're going to walk in a room and you're going to love this room big the way that Jesus would have when he walked in a room. So number one thing I look for. Number two thing I look for is I look at the fruit of your life. How do you speak? What do you speak about? How do you talk about other people that are not around? How do you treat your mother? How do you treat your father? How do you treat your sister? Those things in your life are all fruit to a heart to to identify and illuminate your heart because I've made the mistake and I've walked through some stuff in relationships that I feel like most people would never should have to because you need to look more at the heart than at the outward appearance mm-hmm. and I've always made the the mistake of like oh yeah she's hot oh yeah and she says she loves Jesus so she must and diving in and when the reality is is what people need to be looking at is looking at the fruit of of your future significant other or the person you're interested mm-hmm. in his life and fruit comes like the fruits of the spirit, love, peace, patience, joy, kindness. All those things are going to be manifested through the person that you're looking for. The he who finds a wife finds a good thing is something a really close friend of mine used to say to me before I was even a believer. And Come she on. always said it so gently. And I remember I was like dating. Well, I thought we were dating, but we weren't. I was talking to this guy and it was a very toxic relationship. And I was like telling her some things about it. And her, all she said was, Nicole, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I was like, what does that mean? She was like, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And she just would repeat it to me all the time. And it's such a huge part of my story now. And so that's why I'm such a big believer in, you know, saying things like that to friends, even if they don't know what it means. Um, Yeah. And I had to look at my life and, you know, when I think of what is a wife doing, is a wife going out to the club with a shirt down to her belly button? Yeah. You, is that what a wife does? Yeah. A wife doesn't do that. Like in order for him to find a wife, you must already be behaving like a wife. Absolutely. And that I found so powerful. Like Absolutely. you're not you're not out looking for the hottest girl who's flaunting her body everywhere. That's Mm-mm. not what a man looking for a wife is looking for. No. And I think that's the biggest pandemic with women is it's all external beauty. And, you know, with social media, everything is so glamorized on TikTok, yeah. on Instagram, like flaunting your body, flaunt this, flaunt that. And I feel like what women are doing is they're just attracting the man they actually don't want. Like this man is attracted to your body. And so now that's what he wants you for. And Mm -hmm. so why is it so shocking when he leaves you for someone else? Yeah. You know, absolutely. No, I totally agree. What, 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 from a man's perspective, like when, you know, when you hear about that, we all know that's a thing. Like, what is your like take on that from like, yeah, I mean, when I see, when I see a girl dressing more provocatively or Mm -hmm. showing more skin or something like that. First of all, I'm not, I'm not judging them. So if you wear a crop top, you're not going to hell. Okay, relax. Um, but <laughs> what I see in, there's a specific type and you know what I'm talking about. Yes. I see what they're fishing for mm-hmm. is what I see. And then it also shows me what they care about. Mm-hmm. Because if you think that you need to use your body to attract a man, it's because you don't think your heart can do it. And what I, what godly men are looking for is they're looking, yeah, obviously beauty is, it's the first thing I see. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not blind. I'm like, oh yeah, she's pretty. Yeah, and then I'm interested. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I look at the heart and 
what I, what, what godly men are looking for is that when they look at the heart, it's more beautiful and it's more pure than the outside. Mm. What your heart, how your heart is, your, your flesh is, is ultimately going to reflect it. And so if you're walking around looking a certain way, dressing a certain way, going to clubs, looking a certain way, your heart is, is being reflected through what mm. you wear, how you act, what you talk about, the things you watch on TikTok, the, yeah, I would even say the influencers you follow on Instagram, mm. your heart is reflected in all of those things. And, um, a, a Christ, a Christ like man is looking at all that stuff. And as, as like crazy as it sounds like when you, as a believer are looking for a significant other, they're kind of under the microscope because Mm -hmm. it is hard to find genuine people with good hearts nowadays. And it is hard to find people that aren't caught up in the, in the image and the, in the flaunting and in the flexing and in all that. And so you have to kind of get past the the exterior and see, okay, what's inside, what's in the interior, what, what does her heart look like? And, um, what is her main desire? Because for me, if, if her main desire is not Jesus, then I'm out. Like if I, if she isn't going to love Jesus more than me for the rest of our life, I'm out. Yeah. And I think that's so important. You want to, you want to be equally yoked. Yeah, absolutely. Equally yoked is so important. Yeah. And what you said, I almost got emotional when you said it. Um, Someone who dresses more provocatively, you know, what they're saying is I'm going to use my body to get you because my heart can't, I don't have faith in my heart that my heart can do it. And that hit so hard because I feel like that was my story for so long. Mm. Like I was that girl at the club, you know, using my body to get attention. And it's such a big part of my story now. And when I started to, the real transformation in my life happened when I started spending time with Jesus and surrounding myself with the right community and the right friends. And I started seeing my life literally from the eyes of Jesus as like corny as that sounds. No, it's not. There was such a heart transformation and I had to dig deep and tell myself like I didn't, I never thought that my heart would attract someone else because I didn't think I was a good person deep down. And so just for anyone listening, like if if that's you and you relate to that in any way, like spend time with Jesus, like only Jesus can transform your heart. And it's not an overnight thing. Like it, it took me probably a year to really understand what a relationship with God looked like, what my personal relationship with him looked like. Absolutely. That's so good. I love it. Okay. That. So wrapping it up, a couple rapid fire questions. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest lie that the world tells us? I think the biggest lie that the world tells us is that money, cars, success, that relationships, marriage, that a house, that Instagram followers that all those things is everything. Mm. And the reality is, is it's nothing. It's nothing. And I would say the biggest lie is that Jesus is not enough for us. Mm. And, um, uh, I get emotional. I'm like, he is everything. And when you, when you have those things, when you have everything, when you lose all those things, but you still have Jesus, you have everything. And I really can't stress enough to anybody listening to this podcast, like there's no striving, there's no earning, there's no working that you can do in this world to ever feel fulfilled or complete. But Jesus can make you feel that way. And it doesn't take working. It doesn't take striving. It takes receiving and it takes allowing him to love you. And I think that the hardest thing is, is letting Jesus love you and really believing that he does. And I would just encourage anyone today, fight the lie that everything else is going to fulfill you. 
and fight the lie that Jesus is not enough because he is. And what you'll see when you get to know him intimately and he becomes your everything, you'll see what I mean. And you'll see that he is everything. And you'll see how Job lost everything and remained with everything. And uh, yeah, I think that would be the number one lie summed up very quickly. It's so good. And honestly, it really is something it's hard to explain without experiencing it. And But yeah. once you experience it, everything makes sense. Yeah. I and mean, that's why I get pumped for new believers. Because it's like, on. it's only a matter of time before you under really understand what is about to happen and what this means. Yeah. I mean, it's only a matter of time before the chains break off and you're mm. going to walk in freedom because nothing else is going to weigh you down. No paycheck, no performance, but just so, his presence. So, so powerful. Yeah. So last question, best piece of advice or maybe a tip or whatever you feel led to share um, that you would tell a new believer or give to a new believer? Oh, I love this. I would tell you that you need to not believe that you are a sinner mm. because the Bible says that you are a saint and you need to not believe that you are unworthy of God's love because you didn't deserve the cross, but that Jesus deemed you worthy. You deserve the grace he's placed on your life because he sees you as a saint, as righteous, as loved. And I think when you live out of that worthiness is you live out of understanding that you're righteous because he made you righteous, meaning you are royalty because you are an heir to the kingdom of heaven. When you live in that freedom, you'll know I'm no longer broken because God made me whole. I'm no longer a sinner because God made me a saint. I'm no longer limping because God healed me. Mm. And when you walk in that and you, you walk in that freedom of understanding who you are, you walk in the awareness of Holy Spirit living inside of you, calling you a saint, mm. your life is going to change because you saw the doctor. And after you see the doctor, you don't leave the hospital limping. And also your life is about to get amazing. So welcome. Uh, so, so good. So powerful. You are amazing. Thank you so much for your wisdom, uh, for your words, for just being spirit filled and spirit led, because I feel like this podcast is about to break some chains and I am so pumped for that. I honor you. I respect you. I think you are amazing. And I'm just, I can't wait to see uh, what God has next in store for you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to come on here really. And, and what you're doing with this podcast and how you carry your platform on social media. It's encouraging to me and and so many other people I know. And so I just want to honor you on this podcast. And if you're listening and you listen to Nicole and and you look up to Nicole, she's a great person to do so. And so I'm grateful to have talked to you and to know you. I'm in your corner. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And we're going to have you back on one day when you find your wife. Come on now. I'm going to get to share that. So I'm speaking it out. Let's go. Yes. All right. Well, I I hope you have the best day ever. Thanks again so much. Bye guys.